Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to LA Kings Road Talk Radio. As they defeat the Winnipeg Jets four to two, and uh, geez, we got so much to talk about. Uh, what a just a, an amazingly fun game uh, to watch, and once again, what a roller coaster of a road trip. And we are going to talk about it all night long here. Uh, feel free to give us a call too if you're basking in the glory of this final game and uh, really what is a very successful road trip with the Kings at the end of the day. Uh, feel free to give us a call at 516-418-5829. That's 516-418-5829. And joining me right now, we have Mr. Jeff Duarte, NHL editor from Cali Sports News. Hey, Jeff, how are you, buddy? I am completely out of breath, hip check. That game against Winnipeg felt like a playoff series, not even a playoff game. It felt like a playoff series. I'm so glad we won that round. Bring on the next opponent in the next round. Yeah, you kind of feel like we could take on anybody right now, huh? Well, when you go back-to-back and win against Chicago in Chicago – Fair enough, they're not playing that great this year, but they're still Chicago. United Center, still United Center, and then taking on the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg, who have won, what, three straight games or so? One of the top contenders to the Stanley Cup this year, and the Kings go in there and take care of business and get the two points in regulation. Yeah, definitely bring on the world. Absolutely, and I'm just so, yeah, I was so pumped. Uh, as a matter of fact, tonight was really one of those those great moments in uh, hip check family life as we were approaching the five minute mark. My oldest son just got home from lacrosse practice. And uh, as, uh, as the game was in the waiting minutes, we had the entire hip check clan watching the game. And uh, when Brown scored uh, goal number four, my wife actually fist pump. It was definitely a proud moment uh, in the, uh, the check household. Hey, uh, also joining us tonight, uh, none other than L.A. King's super fan, Mr. Augie Loya. Hey, Augie, how are you, buddy? I'm doing damn well, my friends. I mean, if you were to tell me 
after the Kings lost uh, the last game that they lost against Pittsburgh that uh, we would come home from this road trip with a grand total of eight points earned on this seven-game excursion, which is uh, their longest road trip of the season. Uh, I'd say that's a damn successful road trip. And if you told me that after we started off one and three, I would have said, you know what, you're smoking, you're smoking hockey pucks over there because that's just, whoa. I mean, going through Chicago is always tough. Uh, going there and of course facing the peggers is is never easy. And then uh, for the Kings to uh, to deliver the way they did and and really pretty much salvage road trip and keep their season hopes uh, their postseason hopes alive. Uh, great great way to finish this trip. Can't ask for considering how things started. This has been fantastic. Indeed, indeed, and. Uh... Gee, and there's just boy. Once again, I think what's more impressive too is is that it, it's really it's a whole team effort pulling together now. It's not just as if uh, the first line got hot. It's not just you know that uh, that Quick took the team on his shoulders. Like I think that's what makes me more confident than anything is just there's so many things to be thankful for now when you look really at the uh, the team top to bottom. And uh, we'll go into it all because I was thinking about it, really. When you look at the L.A. Kings team right now uh, from the time they started the season, and once again, even when you look at the first 40 games when it was them and the Golden Knights battling for first place in the Pacific, it's funny when you look at it now, the Kings are such a better team. Like, they're a better team from top to bottom. And uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, but uh, just such an amazingly fun game to watch with so many things to be encouraged about. Uh, Complete team effort. And, you know, really, let's start with this. Uh, As much as we were kicking the dog when the Kings laid the egg in Carolina, think how much more important this win was. You know, we'd kind of thought that the Kings were going to win at Buffalo, Chicago, and Florida, we thought those were the games that they had a good chance. We thought Carolina was one that, uh, you know, they were going to win. But really, when we look at the big picture, how much more important is it getting those two points against the West? Like, literally, if we're going to lose games the rest of the season, I hope it's against Eastern Conference teams. <laughs> you know, I'll take that all day long. And uh, go ahead, Jeff, uh, the the floor is yours while I go ahead and prep uh, the next uh, topic we'll wrap about. Yeah, I'm just happy that uh, the the Kings were able to end this long, sometimes hellish, seven-game Eastern road trip uh, with some strong positivities. And that is the fact that, remember, the Kings started this long road trip on a back-to-back, beating Florida, and then that crazy game against Tampa Bay where the Kings came so close to tying it up in the final two minutes of the game. In the last second of the game, Drew Doughty shot came so close. And then came the debacle against Carolina. Like It, it was completely a roller coaster. There's no better... Um, example that we can use except the roller coaster i mean pittsburgh it was a close game i thought the kings played okay but really it was a one goal game because the third goal was an empty netter so that was much way better than uh, the horrible dumpster fire that the carolina game was beating buffalo you know the kings should beat buffalo uh beating chicago yeah chicago's mediocre now uh average at best but playing in the united center Uh, Against Chicago, you know Chicago always turns up to play against the Kings, and of course it was not easy. But getting uh, 
to end the back-to-back at the end of this road trip with two big wins, especially this one today against Winnipeg, is you couldn't have asked for anything better from the longest road trip of the year. Four wins, three losses, ending it with three straight victories at the end. Now going back home to LA with, with some momentum and tons of confidence because everyone is firing from top to bottom. All four lines and all three defensive pairings plus strong goaltending. What more can we ask for from a road trip that totally could have gone even more in the dumpster after that Carolina game? Absolutely, absolutely. Augie, go ahead. Your thoughts, brother. Well, my thoughts on this uh, with the uh, with the last uh, four games that the Kings have played and uh, getting three wins. I think the most satisfying thing for me is watching Dion Phaneuf and and Tori Mitchell, two guys who let's just say were not very appreciated by their fan bases that they left and couldn't have been happier when they saw them leave, especially the entire uh, country of Canada when Bianca Noop left. And they're out there contributing. It's amazing what guys can do when they're happy and they're looking forward to coming to the rink. So uh, I, it's, it's just an odd thing that I happen to notice. And because Tori Mitchell, he's, he's popped in a couple of important goals there in these last few games. And, of course, Fanouf is just, okay, you know what, bonus. I mean, if he walked away with two goals in four games, I've been ecstatic. But uh, uh, three goals uh, in four games, is that what he's done so far? Yeah, three goals in four yeah, games. As a matter yep. of fact, he had uh, yep, three, three goals the entire regular season with Ottawa, comes to the Kings, matches it in four games. And not to mention it once again uh, – Really, he looks revitalized. Now, uh, to be honest, you know, we don't see a lot of Senators games out here on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, they're early starts. I don't have the hockey package like I used to. But but literally, he looks I, – I, like I say, I don't give a shit what anybody says, man. That guy is a top four defenseman. I don't see lack of foot speed. I don't see any of the nonsense those guys were throwing around. This guy looks like he's got a, a fire in his belly and – Dude, I I'm, I couldn't be happy. I mean, I I couldn't be really any happier. No, how how can you expect any more out of what he's delivered? And and I I mean, it's just it just goes to show that sometimes a guy does just need a change of scenery. Uh, I mean, one other guy that kind of comes to mind. He's not with the Kings, but look at what Pat Maroon is doing up at the Edmonton Oilers. I mean. <laughs> I, he he did, he was not a goal scorer like like he's turned into up there. It's just a change of scenery. It's just a fit, and I think that's what we're looking at here with Fanouf, where uh, these these parts that are around him and uh, and and such and the other in this style fits his play, and uh, he's coming to the rink. It looks like a really happy guy. I was just watching his interview uh, with his post game interview with uh, with Daryl Evans and. And the guy just kept, he just kept reiterating the word team over and over again. And it was not forced. It just was a very natural flow to what he was talking about and what he's trying to contribute and bring to the squad uh, to, uh, to help the Los Angeles Kings. Because, I mean, what we got him on the hook now for, what, like three or four more years? Is that, uh, is that about right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, th- I mean, this is a guy who it looks sounds like he's pretty happy, and I could just imagine his uh, actress wife is ecstatic 
that he gets to spend uh, more time in Southern California. So, uh, yeah, kudos to Fanouf, and I'm looking forward to uh, watching him play in person on Thursday, and uh, the, the, when he makes his Staples Center debut. That's right against the uh, Dallas Stars. Do you think? Uh, do you think Alicia Cuthbert was she like doing like? You know, public television in Ottawa. You know, like Good Good Morning Ottawa on Channel Ten or something like she, that. She was doing nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> but Just now that they're back in LA, nothing. now that, but now that they're in LA, let's bring back Twenty Four the right way because Cuthbert yep. is back, baby. She is back. We just need Kiefer Sutherland, and we're good to go. And we're good all to Canadians, go. By the way, she wasn't even doing. <laughs> She wasn't even doing, like, uh, commercial spots for, like, Semchuck Ford or something like that. Come on down, if you Tim Hortons. Ford, we're blowing if, out. If you, didn't see her on, <laughs> if you didn't see her on Hockey Night in Canada, she was doing nothing up here. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, wow. guys, we got a ton to talk about, and I think the first place that we ought to uh, – First place we ought to roll this baby right now is go ahead and uh, and do our three stars, huh? Shall we? Shall we? All right. Let's, let's go ahead and get it. right to it. Get our three stars background music going. Or not. Okay, let's get, let's get to it. Uh, star number three. Uh, we've already talked about this. And uh, easily could have been star number two, the man we were just crowing about right now, uh, Dion Phaneuf, once again, a huge goal, beautiful one-timer, uh, set up by Alec Martinez, once again, playing good, hard minutes, uh, just really has snarl, still skating well. Uh, that was a huge goal, gave the Kings a, uh, a two-to-one lead, and uh, really, and we'll talk about this later, but when the Kings were down, really weathered the storm there in the first period. I kind of felt good the period was over. They were only down one to nothing because I knew, provided they could just get that first goal, that they had a good shot of winning the game. Once they took the lead, uh, it really made a, a world of difference, I think, for the whole team. And it was really led by that beautiful uh, one time uh, by Dion Phaneuf. Uh, if you're curious, 18 minutes, 19 uh, seconds in ice time, pretty much paired with Martinez uh, all night. And once again, just a very, very, very solid uh, effort there. Speaking of uh, defensive pairing, well, we might as well give it to uh, Fanu's pairing uh, partner right there. Uh, Alec Martinez, uh, once again, opened the scoring there in the uh, early minutes of the second period. Also got an assist, finished a plus one. Uh, just, just shy of 20 minutes as far as his ice time goes. Uh, before we get to star number one, let's give some honorable mentions. Uh, you know, Tanner Pearson, we've been beating him up pretty good because the scoring has not happened. But uh, tonight actually gets an assist. But you know what? It's not about that assist. Uh, the first two goals, he was screening the goalie uh, both times. He was standing right there in front of... Uh, Hello, Bocek, or whatever his name is, but uh, screening uh, Winnipeg's goalie, I think that was really a huge factor, and the Kings just getting those first two, so he is uh, an honorable mention. Other honorable mention, Adrian Kempe ends up uh, with two assists on the night, plus one. Uh, more impressively, uh, seven of nine in the face-off circle. Kempe led 
All L.A. Kings forwards in faceoffs. Seven of nine. Very impressive for the young Swede. Very easily could have been a, uh, a star of the game uh, without question. But there was one man who stood out amongst the rest. And for his efforts tonight, we will roar him with star number one. Who else but Darcy Kemper? Uh, 9.09 save percentage tonight, uh, 30 saves. Uh, once again, the the shots that uh, that he let in, I think he really had no chance. And really, he deserves the first star just for weathering the storm in the first period alone when the Kings were outshot 16-5. to Without his play in that first period, there's no way in hell the Kings win tonight. And uh, let me go ahead and throw it uh, to you, Augie. Your thoughts on the three stars and any other honorable mentions we should uh, point out? Well, jeez, uh, I mean, uh, the uh, <laughs> team effort, guys, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. And I think that the beauty of what we're seeing right now is uh, you're getting production from top to bottom, and it's not just dependent on – on, on only Andre Kopitar putting pucks in the net. It's not just dependent on Pearson or Toffoli, which is a good thing because they haven't been able to put in the back of the net. And it's been a while since uh, Dustin Brown found the back of the net uh, before he scored that all-important fourth goal tonight. So this was really uh, – I like the way these guys rebounded, and they did it once again from top to bottom. Uh, very just awesome effort. Uh, and we, uh, we speculated about what the goalie rotation would be. Uh, with uh, in regards to uh, Quick or Kemper, and uh, I'm glad that uh, that John Stevens went out there and went with Kemper this time because I thought one of the biggest things that kind of started the King slide earlier this year is when they played uh, Jonathan Quick in that game in Calgary where we were up two nothing and then ended up getting smoked. Uh, I thought that was a really I, I thought that was a tactical error there by uh, by not putting Kemper there out there in that game and that tactical error was not repeated this time around. And it paid off. I mean, for the for the Kings to uh, be able to uh, do what they did in closing strong, that's a really good sign for this team. And with this all important homestand coming up, uh, these points matter. I mean, we've got Dallas, Edmonton, Vegas, Vegas coming up. And while Vegas is far is a, far ahead of us in the stands, these are still very important points for us to get as a team, as we try to make the uh, postseason playoff push. And hopefully we're not sitting here trying to sweat whether or not we make it in the last week of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And you make a, you make a really good point there too, Augie. Think just as far as a morale booster goes, if the Kings can just win one of those games against Vegas. I mean, the Ducks just beat them the other night. Uh, you know, I know Vegas now having some injury problems. You know, if the Kings could win that first game against Vegas, once again, what a morale booster uh, uh, that would be. Uh, one other uh, little interesting stat that I wanted to share before we throw it to Jeff, but uh, once again, we talked the other night about how Stevens did a really, really good job of balancing uh, the minutes from the defensive core. Uh, but tonight, guys, there was no forwards at all that had under 10 minutes of ice time. Every single forward had at least... 10 minutes of ice time on the LA Kings. I mean, that is, that is brilliant coaching with the way the fourth line is playing. He earned their trust. And you saw where Amadio and Brzezinski, they were out there 
in crunch time. Uh, you know, uh, of, of course, that Amadio penalty, uh, you know, was probably a little bit of a tough one earlier that he had took. But once again, in the in the final five minutes, we talked about it earlier in the season. Why does he have Andrioff out there? But the fourth line has obviously earned Stevens' trust, and the fact that every single forward on the team has played at least uh, 10 minutes of ice time really speaks volumes uh, about really being able to roll all four lines. And once again, there was no weak link whatsoever tonight, and I think uh, the ice time uh, definitely shows that. Jeff, your turn uh, to have the floor, my friend. Yeah, just a quick thing on uh, Alec Martinez, our second star here tonight that I want to point out. Uh, One thing that Marty was doing very well as well tonight was the fact that uh, there were many times in this game that he was keeping the puck in the offensive zone after Winnipeg kept trying to clear their zone. And this led to two goals that the Kings had scored. So on the Fnuf goal, that whole play started because Martinez was able to block the puck from crossing over over the line and out of the zone, and which keeping it into play led to that goal there, as well as the goal that he scored as well. Uh, also started from a play of him uh, preventing the puck from leaving that zone. So just great hockey sense, a good uh, – just good hockey IQ awareness by Alec Martinez as well. And I want to give a shout-out to Dustin Brown, too. Dustin Brown led the Kings with seven shots on net, uh, playing 22 minutes and 30 seconds. He was all over the place. He drew a penalty against Dustin Bufflin. Um, whether it's a penalty or not, can't be debatable. But Dustin Brown was out here doing everything that he needed to do and scored a clutch game-winning goal that was so needed and it turned out to be the game-winning goal because Patrick Lonnie came back on that par play and to make it 4-3. So Dustin Brown showing up like a superhero when he needs to, scoring that big goal after a great uh, one-timing pass by Tyler Toffoli from the point. Exactly what you need to win is all of these guys to work together, not just offensively, but defensively as well. So uh, kudos to Dustin Brown. Yeah, absolutely. It was It was... Tonight was definitely a hard night to pick the three stars just because it was such a a consummate uh, team effort. One of the other things we did talk about uh, the other night was we talked about the emergence of Forbert uh, now playing with uh, Drew Doughty and, uh, you know, some of the people on the team, uh, you know, saying how he's uh, his defensive play is picked up. And while I didn't think he really played as well tonight as he did last night, the fact of the matter was he uh, still ended up with – uh, 23 minutes, 31 seconds of uh, of ice time tonight. And uh, Jake Muzzin, just about 18 minutes of ice time. So uh, kind of some interesting numbers there as we uh, we had basically talked in Buffalo. Remember that, boys, about how Muzzin's play there in Buffalo was a little bit shaky and even talked a little bit about it last night. So uh, we're seeing a little bit of sea change. Of course, that's really a lot of being the beneficiary of uh, being Drew Doughty's uh, defensive partner, but we are seeing Forbert's minutes uh, improve. We're seeing Muzzin really playing, a, really have a background role there. So it's it's just really funny the entire sea change of how this team has uh, has came together, and uh, the fourth line too, guys. I mean, really, uh, apart from the acquisition of Doughty, has the play of the fourth line not probably been the biggest story that you could think of? Uh, once again, right behind the. Uh, acquisition of Fnuf. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, as, as I've mentioned uh, in the last few shows, that fourth line, I like to call it the triple threat, 
because they are threatening, all three of them, to the opposing team. It's the best line L.A. has. And uh, just the energy, just the chemistry that Amadio Andreoff and Bardzinski have with each other, uh, it's really difficult for the other team to play against. Uh, Andreoff, again, for, for the second straight game, playing with maturity. Uh, there was uh, a point in the game early on where uh, – Winnipeg got a penalty again. I believe actually it was Andreoff did a clean hit on one of the Winnipeg, Winnipeg players. And then the Winnipeg players uh, came back and slashed Andreoff uh, getting the penalty. So he drew that penalty. And Andreoff, again, instead of dropping his gloves and being a meathead, just skated away and let the Kings go on the power play, which ended up getting ruined anyways because the Kings got a penalty while on the power play. But it wasn't because of Andreoff. So him still showing that maturity is a big plus. And just 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 the energy that – sorry, chemistry that him, Amadio and Brodzinski are showing out there really is making me nervous on what Coach Stevens is going to do once Trevor Lewis comes back, once Jeff Carter comes back. And I've been saying this is a great problem to have, but now it's – I don't know because this line to me should be untouchable because if they're playing this great, leave them alone, right? If it ain't broken, there's no need to fix it. So, yeah, definitely the best line we have right now on a team where everyone now is producing, at least for the last three games, but they definitely have stood out. I hope it just stays that way, and Stevens doesn't sabotage it by moving a player out of that roster spot. Hey, Jeff, I got a question yeah, for you. No, what, what did you, I'm sorry, go ahead. What did you call the, I'm sorry, what did you call the, that line? I call it the triple threat line. It, paying homage to the triple crown line, perhaps? Is that what we're, no, what we're looking at here? The rebirth? Actually, actually, that sounds a lot better, Augie. So I'm going to say yes, but that's not actually what I was thinking, but that's so much better. Yeah, that's exactly where I got it from. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you Yeah, that's what you were thinking. <laughs> or it was from right. ECW yeah. Wrestling from the 90s, but that's, who cares? That's right. It could have. It just. It just depends what it is that you're, uh, what it is that you're thinking. It could be, and uh, I say it pays homage to the triple line. That's what they're reminding Sounds me way of. better. Dion, Dion Simmer Taylor uh, mentioned with the likes of Andrioff. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, but it's not the triple hey guys, crown. Just to give it's me. not the triple crown. It's the triple threat. Totally different line. Correct. Totally different line. The triple threat line. <laughs> Gotcha. Just to uh, give you a heads off, too, or really about uh, the faith that Stevens has in Amadio. You saw, I believe it was there uh, in the third period, Kings on the power play. Power play number two had Amadio centering them. I mean, and they looked like they were clicking. They were doing one-touch passes, probably had four good opportunities. And uh, just to even remark a little bit further about the play Amadio, and i got to believe uh, the L.A. Kings insider, temporary insider, Josh Cooper, is going to mention this. But uh, Amadio finishes with 18 shifts tonight, 14 minutes, 35 seconds of total ice time. Uh, that's actually three more minutes than Kempe had, as well as more than, uh, than Nate Thompson had. So I think it speaks volumes about the confidence that Stevens now is having in, in Amadio just by virtue of of that ice time, you know, more ice time than Kempe, more ice time uh, than, than, than Nate Thompson, more ice time than Tory Mitchell. Uh, really amongst centers, I believe he's probably second behind Kopitar uh, as far as uh, the amount of overall ice time and whatnot. So uh, very, very uh, encouraging 
uh, signs uh, as far as, uh, you know, the development of Amadio and, and once again that fourth line as a whole. So uh, good thing the Kings did win tonight, though, because they didn't get much help on the scoreboard. We talked about it the other night. Uh, this uh, Pacific Division is going to be a dogfight. There's just no two ways about it. Uh, right now in uh, Edmonton, uh, Edmonton had a two-goal lead, but Boston is coming back tied right now, two to two, just about five minutes left. I'll make a prediction there. If uh, this game goes into overtime, Brad Marchand is going to score that game winner. Take it to the bank uh, in uh, Vancouver. Vancouver over the Avalanche right now. Avalanche starting to stagger. Key injuries to Eric Johnson uh, right now. And uh, Avalanche, after going on a pretty uh, hot run, putting themselves back into the playoff picture, uh, now sliding all of a sudden. Good news for the Kings. Uh, Maple Leafs one to nothing over the Panthers. Uh, Blue Jackets 2-1 to one over the Devils in the Who Gives a Shit Bowl. Uh, Flyers, Canadians, Lightning Caps, no one cares. It's the Eastern Conference. Uh, Predators over the Red Wings, no surprise there. And once again, in the Pacific, Kings did not get any help from St. Louis tonight as the Sharks defeat uh, the Blues 3-2. to two. But once again, Kings did what they had to do. And once again, just to reiterate, Kemper, 30 saves. Brown, his 17th of the season. Martinez, his 6th of the season. Banoof, his 6th of the season. Torrey Mitchell, his 5th of the season. And uh, as we look at the standings, once again, just uh, a huge game for the Kings. They have uh, as many points now. They're really in third place in the Pacific with as many points as the Ducks. Uh, Only benefit here being is that they do have one game in hand, which is critical. Uh, Calgary, uh, with uh, two points behind, has as many games as the Kings. So once again, uh, at this point of the season, we just keep hoping that – the Ducks in Calgary can continue to lose games and the Kings continue to win. Uh, that will be our secret to success and hopefully have a final playoff push. Guys, are we ready for some uh, other assorted news around the NHL? Let's do it. Always. Always, yeah. All right. Well, a somewhat cryptic tweet uh, made rounds in the hockey world tonight. As uh, as uh, a uh, tweet was made regarding Seattle, uh, now uh, once again being uh, officially into the NHL, and once again not official. Everyone's just talked about the application. However, a uh, Twitter site uh, said uh, called at uh, NHL Seattle gave the cryptic tweet, the next great moment in Seattle sports history is right around the corner, and it's one you won't want to miss, hashtag NHL Seattle. Uh, Gentlemen, I think that we are definitely looking at Seattle probably going to be getting a team here. I don't know if the NHL, uh, not that the NHL Seattle, I don't know if that was an officially sanctioned uh, NHL, uh, you know, Twitter site, but it is becoming more apparent that Seattle's probably going to get a team. And uh, my question for you guys is, do you think this will be an expansion team, or do you think this will be a team that's going to relocate? And uh, let's go ahead and throw it to you, Jeff, your thoughts. Uh, This is an 
you know, this is a market that uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman has been dying to put a team in now for years and years and years. And uh, from the people that I've talked to, uh, I've always been under the impression that Seattle will be granted an expansion team. So we would have to go through that expansion draft again, and everyone's going to have to protect certain players so they can select players just like Vegas recently did as well. I just feel really bad for the people in Quebec City um, who have been dying to bring back the Quebec Nordiques. And they have built a state-of-the-art arena where uh, former LA King Eric Belanger, who works for RDS, which is like the, TS, the French-Canadian version of TSN Sports, uh, he was telling me that uh, they were hoping uh, to get a, uh, an expansion franchise, but Batman pretty much said no. But what Batman kind of uh, hinted to the Quebec franchise is that maybe they'll be picking up one of the relocating teams uh, of the teams that are suffering, uh, more or less the Carolina Hurricanes or the Florida Panthers. But Seattle was always more of a case of doing a proper expansion where it's a market that's not used to having Major League Hockey there, right? But they have won a Stanley Cup. We're going to have to go way back. I think it was the Seattle Metropolitans that won the Cup back in the early 1900s. So I'm sure nobody there in Seattle remembers anything about that. Uh, or maybe it was the Seattle Millionaires. I always get it mixed up with Vancouver. But it's a market that Batman really wants to do anything. And expansion brings hype. It brings the, the, razz and da- the razzle and dazzle of everything in the expansion draft where Quebec would just be happy to have a team and they can just throw a re- relocated team there, whoever goes under first. So I'm definitely saying expansion team, Hip. Hey, was, uh, was Jordan Nolan on that Seattle winning Stanley Cup team? Uh, as captain and general manager... That's what I thought. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So here's some food for thought, guys. And, uh, hey, Jerry, sit tight. I see you on the line right now. So uh, we're going to bring you on in just one moment here. Uh, just some food for thought here. A, I told you about my Seattle trip. You probably read my book I wrote about it. And it was a huge – I mean, the Seattle Thunderbirds were a really, really big draw. Of course, uh, that's where uh, Matthew Barzell and former King Thomas Hickey – played their junior hockey so i think that they're a pretty good town that could probably support the team here's what i'm thinking though is that there are eight teams in the atlantic division there are eight teams in the metropolitan division there are eight teams in the pacific division there are seven teams in the central so uh here's what i think happens i think yes seattle definitely gets granted an expansion team However, there's no way in hell they're going to play them in the Central when they're a West Coast team. Therefore, I would make the case that either the Calgary Flames or the Edmonton Oilers or perhaps even the Arizona Coyotes, one of those teams will get moved to the Central Division, thus having really the Pacific Division be the Pacific Division. And, uh, you know, my geography is not the best, guys, but... uh, when we look at the central uh, portion of the North American continent, I gotta believe Calgary's probably centermost. Correct? Yes. That's a Jeff Duarte. Yeah, that's a Duarte right there. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Where's our Canadian geography expert? You know. So uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and roll that though. You guys. are correct. I mean, really, you know. 
Thank you. Thank you. So my, my concern, though, is I know that they like the Calgary-Edmonton rivalry, of course. That's a huge rivalry. Uh, you know, maybe is it, is it big enough to warrant keeping two teams in that division, or is it because they are struggling Canadian teams, do they get kind of treated like the ugly stepchild and one of those teams get moved? Or, once again, Arizona, given their proximity to Dallas and, and whatnot, you know, are they the ones that are more likely candidates? So, uh, also, too, let's, let's not keep in mind that, I would not rule out that Arizona gets relocated, right? I mean, it's a possibility that uh, given Arizona's uh, mired in futility, really from the time the franchise moved uh, from Winnipeg, I would not be surprised, you know, maybe they move to another city. And I know I'm putting a couple topics on the table here, but Augie, what do you think, man? Uh, You know, do you think that's like logistically Calgary goes to the central and Seattle goes to the Pacific? Or once again, do you think maybe Arizona relocates somewhere? What's what's your thoughts? I think the best plan is to relocate Arizona. Besides, I, I really want to see Kachuk and Dowdy go at it for a few more years. So, yeah, me, uh, yeah, yeah. So I just, uh, yeah, I think Arizona is sort of like the odd man out in it, only because they uh, uh, they they've been needing to uh, to to get a change over there to somebody that's going to really care about them and, and watch them grow in a place that loves hockey instead of an outpost that just happens to be there. I mean, geez, you had Gretzky uh, coaching behind the bench there, and that couldn't stir up enough interest. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, it, I mean, it's just sad because I'm really hoping to see Arizona strive over there, and thrive rather. And uh, having played a, a tournament over there, they have some they have some really good facilities out there, and they uh, the Coyotes with their with their dens that they have out there, uh, the ice rinks are they're they're good, they're sound. I, I just wish that, uh, that that the fans were more supportive of it. But from what I'm told uh, by some of the locals out there, that the biggest problem with uh, with Arizona is uh, the location of the arena. And how it's it's not convenient for really the people that you need out there, to, the hockey fans that you need to go and support it. That it's just really out of the way and in a bad spot in order to make the game grow there. Yeah, we we talked a little bit about that about the Florida arena, where it's that same thing where it's kind yeah. of in the middle of no man's land. Where if you had it more in a central location, they would. It would be easier to attend games. So, yeah, I completely understand. Jeff, your thoughts. Uh, once again, let's assume Seattle definitely gets added to the Pacific. Who is that odd man out that gets shuffled to the Central? You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of the Alberta teams, but I'm an old-school fan, hip check. I want the old Smythe Division teams to stay together. Uh, because of the history and the battles and the wars that they had against each other since back in the day. So I don't want to see Calgary or Edmonton leave and go to the Central. I like to have them stay at the Pacific, and I'd rather see the Coyotes go. Because to me, the only true hockey team that ever played in the state of Arizona is the Phoenix Roadrunners of the International Hockey League. And that's the, and that's the only one that ever mattered. Just ask Steve McKenna. That's the only one that matters. And it's true. It's They, they struggle. They have the team in Glendale, Arizona. They want the team in Scottsdale, Arizona. But the people in Scottsdale don't want 
the team in there. And then they're having problems with the uh, Gila River Arena, period, just with the ownership and everything. And really, if you think about it, the Phoenix slash Arizona Coyotes have really been nothing but a huge mess uh, since they left the original Winnipeg Jets at the end of 96 and went down there to Phoenix. You knew things were going wrong when Jeremy Roenick signed and changed his number to 97 or whatever it was. And the Coyotes had that weird little uh, coyote with a weird mask on, some type of abstract art going on there. You know, it, it, it's not going to be good times down there in Arizona. And I feel bad for someone like Shane Doan. Not feel bad completely. I mean, it was his choice, and they treat him very well down there, so fair enough. But he spent his whole career with that franchise and never even got a sniff at the Stanley Cup. Um, sure, he decided to stay and re-sign with the Coyotes and everything and hope that his name can help bring people whatever, especially after their uh, Western Conference run, final run in 2012 where they lost in five games to the Kings. And it is, is the only banner that they have. It's a franchise that has suffered, kind of like Florida, has suffered since the beginning. And it'd probably just be better to put them out of their misery and just relocate the team somewhere else. But that team in Quebec, it's going to be – it's big money. But that team in Quebec, they're going to be happy. They're going to be selling out every game. It's going to be a success uh, a success story money-wise, attendance-wise, just like putting a team back in Winnipeg is. And that way you can keep Edmonton and Alberta both in the Pacific Division so they can continue to take on the Kings, take on the Canucks, just like in the good old Smythe Division. So Arizona, I say, gets the boot. I couldn't. Uh, hey, I gotta, Jay, wait a minute. Me. Jeff, you, I think – hang on real quick, Doggy. Jeff, you, 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 you pronounce boot actually very American. Can you say that one more time in Canadian just so we could uh, – we could enjoy your great white North accent. Say that one more time. I actually uh, speak regular English. It's you guys that have the accent. So, so just to make you guys happy. All right. Yes. So Arizona is going to get the boot. You know, like, you know, you put a boot on your foot, you know, you wear boots. You guys know about, it's not about or a boot. Damn South Park. South Park ruined Canada. I'm telling you. South Park ruined Canada. But now we have Dion Phaneuf and Alicia Cuthbert down in Southern California bringing Canada back, baby. That made no sense, but that's okay. I, I thought it was ruined right. by uh, – by... I, I thought that, that it was ruined by Doug McKenzie with the Great White North song, but uh, I, I digress. Uh, what I was going to actually say, hey, uh, Jeff, for those people who are, who are new to the game, uh, can you just give like a quick breakdown of what the rivalry was like between the Montreal Canadiens and the Quebec Nordiques? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um it, it wasn't for the faint of heart <laughs> or those with weak stomachs. <laughs> this was – okay, so originally the Montreal Canadiens, of course, the most storied franchise, uh, winning 24 Stanley Cups the most out of any other team. They actually existed before the NHL existed, at least for one season. So, you know, there's a huge history there, and there used to be a team called the Montreal Maroons who also won a couple of Stanley Cups before the original six became the original six. And what happened was the Montreal Canadiens, uh, with Howie Morenz and all the legends that they had, were cheered on by the French Canadians of the, the province of Quebec, and the Montreal Maroons were more for the English-speaking Canadians that lived there in, in Quebec. When the Maroons 
sell apart financially and then were merged with the Montreal Canadiens, then you know the Canadiens became everyone's team in Quebec. Uh, until the Nordiques came in from the old WHA, once they did that big merge into the NHL, all of a sudden there was a split again. So it wasn't just a rivalry on the ice because of geographical locations, right? Say like the Kings and the Ducks, Calgary and Edmonton, you have Montreal and Quebec, where those, those, those playoff series were absolutely brilliant. I mean, they were violent, but it was breathtaking hockey at the same time. There were upsets, like the one year Quebec took Montreal out. There were brawls. There were beautiful highlight goals. Pretty much everything uh, you can think of happened in those series. And being in the same division and playing pretty much in the old format back what I call the John Ziegler years, where, you know, say like in the Smite division, the, the top four teams make the playoffs. Anybody under that does not make the playoffs, right? Number one takes on number four, number two against number three. So Montreal and Quebec were guaranteed to take on each other because Quebec had superstars on their team, like Peter Stackney and his brothers, uh, Marion and Anton, and Michel Goulet battling Guy Lafleur and Matt Snazlin and Bobby Smith and Patrick Ruff, Montreal. That it was great. It was great, talented teams against great, talented teams. But you had the fan base uh, against each other as well. And what happened was the French Canadians started going towards the Quebec Nordiques team and leaving Montreal. And you had the more, you know, the English-speaking fans staying with the Montreal Canadiens. The complete opposite of what happened with the Maroons. So it became a very personal rivalry. There would be riots in the streets if one of them lost. And this could be just like a preseason game. That's how intense it was. So if the NHL could get a team back in Quebec, they have the arena, bring back the Nordiques, you're going to see some crazy intense hockey once again between Montreal and Quebec. Because really, it was, if I can have, have it downloaded or on Blu-ray, all the playoff series that Montreal had against Quebec, I would definitely add it to my collection because it was must-watch TV. Let's bring it back. Yeah, and absolutely. And let me interject here real quick before I bring Jerry on. But uh, if uh, for those of you listening to this and are unfamiliar with this rivalry, just go to YouTube and Google and uh, do a search for the Good Friday Brawl. It will tell you oh. all you need to know about oh. uh, about that uh, that rivalry, the Good Friday Brawl, one of the legendary uh, one of the legendary once again happenings. Uh, in in hockey during during the 80s and that that whole historic period. So uh, go check that out. Hey, let's get uh, Jerry on here. Jerry, dude, you uh, is it a triple margarita night after the Kings victory? No, that's t- that's tomorrow. Uh, but uh, no, it was a, it was a great game. Uh, Kemper kept us in that that first period was was so sluggish and, and you know. It, it wasn't looking good, and he kept us in that game big time. Um, I had the game on TSN down here, and um, they were de- they were definitely talking about uh, the job that Fanouf was doing in clogging up the middle in the uh, neutral zone, which I was kind of impressed with. Yeah, always always kind of cool to get the different announcers' take on the team, a different crew, just to kind of get a a little bit of a different feel than uh, than you know Alex and, and Jim. Uh, Jerry, were you with right. me though that like once you, once that first period ended and it was one to nothing, didn't you kind of feel like 
you know, we took Winnipeg's best and we're still standing and we just need that one goal to break it open and we got a chance at this thing. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, I, in the, the game that Fred was in, I commented it was a horrible period, but it was still only one goal out. There was, there was 40 minutes of hockey left. Um, they came back strong in the second, and um, when the game broke wide open in the third, where they were, you know, kind of trying to run us into the ground, we hung with them then too. So, you know, for uh, for the second night of a back-to-back, it was a phenomenal performance. If they had to get the bad period, if they had to have a bad period, get it out of the way in the first, and then play the last forty, like you mean to win it, and that's what they did. Yeah, you're, you know, it's such a great point you made right there, Jerry, because you're absolutely right. Uh, shots on goal, Winnipeg outshot Kings 16-5 to in the second. Uh, the Kings turned the table. They outshot uh, Winnipeg 16-5. Uh, to Then it got to the third, and once again, Winnipeg with 12 shots, the Kings with 11. So it really was, it was like, uh, you know, two prize fighters out there just exchanging blows and uh, – even to give you an idea of how, how evenly matched the game was, uh, the power play, each team finished two of five on the power play. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was just so evenly matched across the board uh, for both teams. And, uh, geez, I think it was, that's probably just what made it such an entertaining game to watch, too, was that uh, – and, and I think also, too, let's, let's be honest, now that you – with the Kings hanging in there with the Winnipeg, and once again, now with the mojo starting to change, uh, you know, I think it speaks volumes just about, once again, how the Kings are now a better team where they could actually sit there and, and once again come out after a back-to-back in Winnipeg, who is, once again, a win tonight. They're tied in the Central. They're tied with Nashville with 81 points. And the Kings, once again, exchanging blows, taking their best shots with their backup goalie back-to-back games to come out with a win, my God, that's got to be just a huge morale booster for that locker room. Yeah, I agree. That 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 was huge. That was huge. And it was kind of wild because at the end of the first, TSN was showing Quick and Stevens walking off the ice together into the into the room. Okay. And uh, it, it was interesting how much conversation was going back and forth between the two of them. That you know that they're mm, sharing ideas. There, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, when TSN, okay. interesting. When interesting TSN went to their went to their break, that that was what they showed was Quick and, and Stevens walking along the ice together, the both of them talking. So wow. you know, what? Yeah, did, did would have been would have been cool to man. fly on the wall and, and heard heard what you know was being said between the two of them, but. Well, what was their yeah, body language yeah. and facial expression like? Were they angry? No. Were they happy? No. Were they laughing? No, they were. They were, were they entirely sad? happy either. But uh, were they singing? No. Were they dancing? No, no one was. No. It was a very business-like conversation, from from my perspective, at least. Ah. Okay. Could be anything. Yeah, it could be anything. Yeah. Could be nothing, could be something. We'll find out soon enough. Very cool. It hey, was, real quick, uh, too, Jerry, just to uh, 
two two more questions I wanted to ask you. We talked a little bit about Fanouf the other night, but uh, what do you think about the play of uh, of Mike Amadio? I like I like Amadio's play. He's you know he's brought a lot of energy. He's uh, he's definitely making his case to stay with the team. You know, I, I mean, I I don't want to be I don't want to be one of the ones sitting around making the decision about who to send down when Carter and Lewis are both back in the lineup. And I think Amadio's made that a very difficult choice for him because you know you really don't want to lose what he's bringing right now, and he's bringing a lot of energy and he's bringing a lot of uh, he's playing smart hockey. So uh, I I hope like hell he stays up. I can't imagine why they would send him down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a what a decision that's going to be. And once again, we talked a little bit about this the other night, but uh, I think obviously the most, you know, the two obvious candidates, just because the Kings are carrying uh, two extra defensemen in Gravel and Ledoux and Mersh right now, I think those are clearly uh, Lewis, Carter come back, Mersh, Ledoux go down, you carry Gravel as your seventh uh, defenseman. Once again, he's not waiver-exempt anyway, so almost a no-brainer right there as far as who gets sent back. I think Mersh is actually could be pulled on waivers, if I'm not mistaken, and hadn't been taken in the past, but we'll see what happens there. But uh, I think that's definitely the way we are going to uh, see this shake out. Now, to uh, Augie, because you are the man in the know hanging around Toyota Sports Center and whatnot, uh, I think once again we're all pretty clear that uh, that Carter's probably going to be back uh, for maybe the Edmonton game, probably no later than the first Vegas game. Uh, but have you heard any updates on uh, on uh, Trevor Lewis? None, uh, none at all about Lewis. Uh, what uh, what I usually see is this uh, when I it, uh, when I go to a to the Sports Center. If uh, I get there early, if Lewis is out there before uh, before everybody on the ice and working out, that'll be kind of a good sign. If he's not out there at all and the guy and not out there either beforehand on empty ice or out there with a red no contact jersey, uh, that that those are not good signs. And we will see what uh, what transpires. But no, I haven't heard. A thing uh, about it, and how long uh, how long he could be how long he'll be out for? We don't know. Gotcha, gotcha. Just know it's not yeah, a concussion. Us, uh, that, all I know, all, all we know is it is not a concussion. That that has been verified. All right, perfect, perfect. Uh, we do have uh, some quotes here, some post game post game quotes from Tori Mitchell. Uh, what it means to finish the road trip with uh, another win. It's huge. We knew how important the two points were coming in tonight, you know, trying to get back in a playoff spot. So it was a really good by effort by us and a great two points. Uh, Mitchell on whether it's a good measuring stick. Every team is good, but they're doing well. Obviously, they're ahead of us in the standings point-wise. Uh, but we're focused on getting the two pants and on our play. So it was just good to get the win. And uh, on his goal... Just saw Kempe working in front, sort of popped it right back to me, wide open, and that little patience, and it was good to score. Uh, Mitchell then on uh, on Kemper, making some big saves. 
on the, that whole game, he was making big saves. There was a couple sequences that where they had three or four shots in a row that he was big for us. We wouldn't have won without him tonight. And uh, there you go, some quotes from uh, the not-so-quotable Tory Mitchell. Jerry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anything uh, this- <laughs> Anything Sorry. else? The scoring uh, phenom, Tori Mitchell. Us, uh, the, the scoring phenom. Go ahead, Jeff. Scoring phenom. Yeah, Tori Mitchell right with three goals. It, it, three it goals was, on the right nice trail. It was nice to see him get him in back-to-back games too. That that was really cool. Um, yep. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's, it's it's cool. It's cool that Fanouf has equaled his goal output with the Senators for this season. <laughs> In four games, yeah. I mean that's that speaks yeah. that speaks volumes to me. I I was one of the I was definitely one of the ones that was way on the fence about you know I don't know why they want him I don't I don't know you know if this is going to work and I'm very happy to have been very wrong on that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know it's different too because uh, when we got uh, Robin Regeer. You could see that that was a guy that had a lot of mileage on him, and you could also see that he yes. knew it was his last kick at the can, and he was just good, like you know he had nothing left to lose. Uh, but with Fanouf, it's a little bit different. He kind of reminds me of Willie Mitchell, right? Like Willie Mitchell, yeah. when he came in here, he just had veteran savvy. Uh, it, he was like a calming force. It didn't. It wasn't like he he knew it was his last kick at the can, and you know it was now or never. Like he just brought stability back there to the defensive core. And I kind of see Fanouf kind of doing that same thing. And the only difference is uh, you can almost see leadership on the bench of Fanouf, just the way he talks. Did you did you guys catch that tonight? They were showing him on the bench, and he was talking to, I believe it was Muzzin and whatnot. And uh, you could just see that, A, the respect uh, that other players have for Fanouf just by virtue of, once again, the amount of years he's been in the league. But – uh, it, it looks really like, yeah, there's just it, there's a weird kind of intangible leadership you can kind of see that's kind of that he's kind of brought to the team. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'm looking in too much into it, but uh, and let's go down the line. But uh, Augie, are you is is it just me that's looking too much into that? Or are you kind of seeing that as well? Uh, no, I mean the one thing about about Fanuf, I've never heard of him being complained about as being a bad team guy. Uh, I heard nothing but great stuff about him in the locker rooms. And Eric Carlson just was, I mean, he was really sad to see the guy go. Uh, so I, I think he just might be one of those guys who he plays for the uh, for the crest on the front. Uh, and that's the way it seems. And it seems like he's really adapted into stuff. What's really going to be funny to watch, because uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this, is on Thursday to see if he uh, participates in sewer ball with the boys uh, before they hit the ice for warm-ups. Uh, Give us the fun. scoop, Augie. Oh, Give you'll get it. Scoop. You'll get the scoop. Because I'll tell you right now, everybody goes and participates with the exception of Dustin Brown. He, he never plays. Uh, Alec Martinez never plays down there. Uh, Gabrick wouldn't play, but he'd come down and do the uh, – the workout with the, with the Kings uh, uh, strength guys, uh, flexibility and, and everything else and doing his routine. Uh, Kyle Clifford, the same thing. He just goes and works on the free weights and the, the, uh, the dumbbells and such in the hallway. But uh, Brown and Martinez, I never see them uh, down there participating. 
uh, with that. So uh, it'll be fun to see if he's down there and if he does the crap talking with Lewis and Dowdy and all them, because that's to me is the funniest thing to watch in here. Very cool. Very cool. Jeff, uh, your thoughts there. Uh, just, I know it's only been four games and whatnot, but uh, once again, are you kind of seeing the, uh, the leadership of Fanouf coming through just from the, the body language and uh, just seeing his, just seeing the way he handles himself on the bench. It's, it's obvious that he's involved in the games. Guys, you got to remember one very important thing. Fanouf wants to play for the Los Angeles Kings. He wants to play for this team. Finally, he is on a team that he wants to go to and contribute. Does he have to be a leader on this team? The answer is no. And that's the big difference between his past experiences, not with Calgary, a bit with Ottawa, but not fully, but definitely with Toronto, where they wanted him to be a leader when he wasn't ready. So everything was forced, and he learned everything the wrong way. In Los Angeles, he's not expected to be a leader. He's just expected to become that veteran presence and do his job on that second defensive pairing with Alec Martinez. But Fonoff is so happy to be playing for the Kings that it's coming out. The leadership is coming out naturally. It's, it's not being forced like Ron Wilson tried to force it in Toronto. That didn't work. Here in L.A., the pressure is off of him, and now he's comfortable. He's, he's liking – you can tell he likes playing with these guys. He's having a blast out there, and he's playing some great hockey. Um, the leadership is just coming out without him even thinking about it, so he doesn't have to worry about if he's saying the right things or whatever because of his, you know – he is a veteran. He has been in the NHL for some time. Now, the, you know, the, the, the players there are going to listen to him. Plus, he's a super nice guy. Plus, you know, he's been playing great. So people are going to respect him and listen to what he has to say. But what I'm, what I'm really enjoying seeing, and yes, it's only been four games, is the fact that it's coming out naturally. It's not a force. It's not a gimmick. It's not nothing coming out of Dion Phaneuf. It's because he genuinely wants to help out because now he feels – like this whole weight is off his shoulders that he has something to teach. He has something uh, to contribute verbally to these players. And I'm sure everybody appreciates him for it. Absolutely. You brought up a real good point too. The other night, uh, last season, Ottawa was, you you said it right. They were a stone's throw from uh, making it to the finals. So, uh, and a lot of that, once again, uh, you know, God knock on wood that the Kings can get into the playoffs, but uh uh, you know, Fanouf, uh, you know, is uh, how many years, seasons did uh, Toronto make it to the playoffs with Fanouf on the team? Did they ever make it, or did they miss every season? They made it, they made it once in 2013 and against the Boston Bruins. And it was – okay, guys, here's another story. i got to go for it. 2013 playoffs. Toronto Maple Leafs finally make it back into the playoffs since 2004. So if we thought the Dark Ages as Kings fans were bad, the Leafs had it even worse. Uh, and no, I'm not sympathetic to them. I'm just stating a fact. So they're finally in the playoffs. It's a big deal. People are freaking out over here that are Leaf fans. You have, like, thousands of people outside of the Air Canada Center watching on the big screen. They call it Maple Leaf Square. They shut down roads so these people can be shoulder to shoulder. How do they go to the bathroom? Do they go to the bathroom? 
Probably not because you can't move. So if there's a stampede or something, they're all doomed. But they're all just going crazy. It's, it's Maple Leaf Madness, probably the hottest since it's been since 2002 or even 1993. We all know that one. So they take on the Boston Bruins, and it goes seven games. Seven games. And in game seven, in the third period, I was at the gym working out, and it was the best workout I ever had since I got my membership at the gym because everything was available. I didn't have to wait for any machines. I didn't have to wait for any benches or any weights because the place was packed, but everyone there working out is in front of the TVs watching the Leaf game. So I just helped myself to, you know, to everything. I had the greatest workout in years. I was so happy. I didn't care less about the Leafs and Bruins in a first-round playoff series. I got my own problems with the Kings uh, in 2013. We're taking on St. Louis in a crazy physical series, right? Um, so when I left the gym, it was 4-1 Toronto in the third period. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe the Leafs are actually pulling this off. Because if you remember, Boston had won the Stanley Cup just two seasons before. And more or less still had the same team. Maybe Kukaras now the number one goalie instead of Tim Thomas. But overall, it's still like Luchich is still there. It's pretty much still the same team. So I'm like, wow, these Leafs, they finally did it. By the time I got home from the gym, and I don't live that far, fellas, it was 4-4. <laughs> It was 4-4 going into overtime. And I'm, I'm looking, like, my wife told me, oh, my God, the, the score is 4-4. I'm like, what score? Which game? She's like, the Leafs game. I'm like, no, honey, listen, it was 4-1 Leafs. That game's over, honey. And she's like, Jeff, look. And I'm like, what? 4-4? What the hell happened, right? So they go into overtime. And uh, former, or future, I should say, San Jose Shark goalie James Reimer was the goalie in that for the Leafs. And I, I don't remember who scored the winning goal, but Boston, of course, won it. And I can still picture James Reimer, the goaltender, on his stomach with his glove, trying to reach for that puck that he never caught. And I'm, I remember thinking, wow, they should make a statue of that because that's kind of like Bobby Orr leaping in the air making a Stanley Cup winning goal. But the complete opposite. But the complete opposite. Just to remind Leaf fans that, man, you guys have a lot of work to do. So they had – they took it to seven games – with a team that were still Stanley Cup contenders. If you remember, Boston went to the final that year, but lost in six to the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Leafs, that was the only time that Dion Phaneuf got to play in the playoffs with the Toronto Maple Leafs as captain. And it was in the biggest collapse ever in a game seven where the Leafs had a 4-1 lead in the third period and lost that game 5-4 in overtime. Just an epic collapse. Wow. Speaking of, uh, of epic collapses... Uh, we got uh, some scoring updates here. Uh, four to three right now uh, in Vancouver. Vancouver over the Avalanche. But crazy second period. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven goals scored in the second period uh, right now. Amazing uh, happenings going on uh, right there in, uh, in Vancouver. Let's hope the Canucks can, uh, can hold on here and get the win just to once again give the Kings a little bit of hope here. Uh, once again, we need the Kings at least to finish uh, in the top three of the Pacific, which once again is going to be a dogfight. There's Calgary, the Ducks, and San Jose. Something's, something's going to give there. and uh, Or the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild currently, with, uh, currently holding the last two spots as far as the wild card goes. And... Uh, 
so uh, it's going to, once again, it's going to be mayhem out in the West. So once again, we got to root for uh, Colorado, Calgary, Anaheim, all to lose. And once again, in the Central, uh, definitely helps the Kings by default if St. Louis and Minnesota could somehow go on the skid. So uh, that's what we need to root for. And I know a lot of those games are going to be uh, taking place tomorrow and uh, see what happens there. So really, really good uh, good game tonight, though. Let's not take away from really what is nothing short of magnificent after getting their ass kicked in Carolina when we were all kicking the dog uh, to have the Kings come back and win the final three, including once again, we had talked about it. when After the first game of the road trip, we had said that this last game in Winnipeg was going to be the tough one simply because Winnipeg's place in the standings and the fact that it's a back-to-back with the travel at the end of the road trip. So uh, to have the Kings come out and win this game, a fist-pumping moment to be sure. Here is the thing that I am worried about now, boys, because you see it all the time. It's a hockey truism. Uh, You come back from a successful road trip. uh, You have, uh, you know, you have, you come back off a big road trip. You have a big win. You're at home. You're feeling good about yourself. But it's very, very hard to come back at home. So, and once again, they're playing Dallas, who's currently third place uh, in the Central right now. Uh, Guys, are you concerned uh, that there's going to be a letdown against the against the Stars? Jeff, go ahead. Uh, there's always a concern because I don't feel that the Kings have been playing well at home this season. Um, remember, the Kings were home they had when they had their seven-game losing streak or whatever that, that awful hellish streak was. Most of those games were at home. So now that the Kings finally are on a roll, they've won three straight. They won four out of seven on this road trip. And speaking of, you know, thinking that Winnipeg was going to be the hardest opponents, little did we know it was going to be Carolina. Who knew? I would have lost money if we placed bets on that one. But the thing is, it's a lot of traveling, and it's a lot of hockey. And, yes, the Kings are not going to be home for the next three games. Uh, And when they go to Vegas, Vegas really isn't that far from home. But it's a lot of games that they're playing every other day. So there might be a letdown. They're flying down from Winnipeg back home. They've got to be right back at it against Dallas on Thursday. Got another game on Saturday against Edmonton. Got another game on Monday against Vegas. And then the next day against Vegas. It's a lot of hockey. I'm more worried that fatigue is finally going to catch up with this team. But this is the LA Kings where predicting uh, is almost impossible, right? Because if they can tank the 2011-2012 uh, season and then be the 16-4 and team in the playoffs, then all bets are off. Who knows what these guys can actually do or accomplish. I'm just happy that they went into a team or went into Winnipeg facing a team that is one of the best teams in the NHL today, very competitive, and a Stanley Cup contender. And even though the first period was rough, the Kings took it to them and won in their home territory. That alone gives me a lot of hope. So there could be a letdown, but you know what? There's something to these Kings. Yes, they'll have a losing streak. Yes, they'll get blown away by Carolina every once in a while. But they don't give up. And if they don't give up, then this team always has a chance, especially with their defense now solidified with the acquisition of the Yeah, Absolutely. Hey, and real quick, one more run down the line before we end it, but trade deadline coming up Monday, February 26th. Uh, boys, I think uh, the Kings should stand pat. I don't think they should do anything at all. 
uh, barring some other team maybe, you know, offering some package that's simply too good to be true, uh, I don't really want to see the Kings do anything, to be honest with you, unless, uh, you know, maybe a team wants a Michael Mersh for a fifth-round pick or or something like that, which I'm kind of fine with. We talk about the glut on the bottom six, so I wouldn't really be surprised if uh, maybe a player does get moved for, uh, you know, third, fourth, fifth-round pick, something of that nature. But at this point, I don't really want to see the Kings do anything, you know, and uh, let, let's go ahead and we'll start with Jerry. We'll work up the line, then we'll wrap it up. Jerry, trade deadline around the corner. Uh, you think the Kings should still try to make a move, or once again, based on what we've seen since the Fanouf acquisition, they might as well let the chips fall where they may, knowing that Carter and uh, Lewis are coming back as well, right? I, I agree. I, I, I don't want to see them do anything. You know, unless unless there's some ridiculous deal out there, and I don't believe that there is. Um, I don't I don't want to see them do anything. I would I would roll the dice with these guys, especially with Carter and Lewis going to be coming back. Yep, perfect. I couldn't agree more. All right, hey Jerry, we got to scram, but thank you so much for your call, brother. You have a great night. All right. All right, you too, hey, Jerry. Thanks, go. Go Kings, go. All right, indeed. All right. Jeff, uh, your thoughts on the trade deadline? You know, Rob Blake has done nothing but impress me with his general managing skills. So I wouldn't be surprised if he still does pull off a move that isn't just a salary dump or just trying to make room, you know, on the roster when once Carter and Lewis come back, et cetera. But I also would be surprised if he makes a move to grab someone to actually help the team maybe score more goals, even though they've been scoring the last three games. We all know that that, that doesn't happen in every game. What I'm asking of GM Rob Blake is to remember the mistakes that Dean Lombardi made in his last three seasons as general manager of the Kings. I do not want anyone traded away, whether it's a, a prospect, whether it's a, a first-round draft pick, if all we're going to get in return is a rental. Please, no more rentals. No more Milan Lucic's. No more Andre Sekera's. None of that anymore. No more giving up first-round draft picks, where luckily uh, the past draft wasn't traded away, or we would not have selected Gabe Velarde, because for the two seasons before that, there was no one to pick in the first round. So if Rob Blake, I wouldn't be surprised if he does do something, you know, I don't think he needs to now, but if he does, please, Rob, I know you're listening, Rob. We go way back, back in the day, buddy, because you're my friend's cousin from third grade, Brianne Takis. I know that for a fact. <laughs> Listen to me, Rob Blake. Listen to me, Rob Blake. All right? You shook my hand at the Hall of Fame. So that's a brother's code. That's a, we're doing it for Brianne. All right? Whatever happened to her, I have no idea. She's not even on Facebook. I have no idea what happened to her. But that's not my fault, Blakey. All right? If you're going to trade someone, please do not give up the pipeline for someone we're just going to have uh, for, for the stretch and maybe possibly the playoffs. No more Chris Versteegs, none of that. We're done with that. We're learning from our lesson. If you're going to trade for someone, make it like Dion Phaneuf, where he'll actually play for the Kings longer than just this season. That's all I ask. Perfect, perfect. Beautiful, beautifully stated, Jeff. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, Jeff, we're going to let you go, brother. Uh, you get a good night's sleep. I know it's late out there in Toronto and you got to work. So thanks so much. Uh, love having you on the show, man. We wouldn't uh, be where we are without you. 
Thank you, guys. The pleasure is all mine. Go Kings, go. Indeed. All right, Augie, it's you and me, partner. And uh, once again, uh, trade deadline around the corner. And, of course, we're going to be broadcasting here uh, right around the corner as well, Kings, with a couple of, couple of three home games. And then uh, next Tuesday, week from tonight, we'll be broadcasting as the Kings take on Vegas. Oh, that'll be a late one for us, won't it, Augie? Yeah, it sure will be. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, you know what? Uh, it's a Tuesday night, and I already know that it's Tuesday night there in Vegas because I forgot if they play on Monday or Tuesday in Vegas. I think they play yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday in Vegas, night, right? From oh, that's also Correct. a hockey night for me, so I will not be available that night, unfortunately, because I'll be out uh, doing my pretending, pretending I know how to play hockey. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, well, as far as as far as what the Kings uh, should do, uh, Pierre LeBrun report, reported that they were looking for a mid-level winger. So what that tells me is they're not going to go out for for a splashy rental uh, on the forward spot because there. I think you've already seen the splashy move in in getting rid of Gabrick and uh, bringing in uh, Fanouf. Uh So if you see something, the highest you're going to see is something mid-level, which barring the unforeseen. Is probably the best uh, is probably the best strategy. But one thing that uh, one thing that you have to keep in mind is if they're going to do a move of anybody of the forwards, I think I think what you're looking at the Kings possibly doing, uh, if I were the if I were the GM, is I would make my move a salary cap based. And what I mean by that is what gives me more cap relief. Uh, next year and seasons after that. Uh, and no, I'm not talking about moving uh, Martinez or Muzzin kind of thing. I'm talking like uh, the, the the most obvious candidate we talked about earlier to me would be Kyle Clifford. Uh, but what would you get back for him? I mean, that's the other aspect of it too. And does it improve yeah. your team? Yeah. And that, and that's the big thing. And I mean, the, the King for once in a, for one, the first time in a long time, are really dealing from a, a position of strength in, in, and what I mean, it's not yeah. so much strength. They're not desperate. They're not desperate like they have been before. I, uh, yeah. so, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what transpires, but, uh, yeah, as long as they don't give up too much, uh, and if they get something to kind of tweak it, I like the I like what the kids from Ontario are doing. I like what the kids are are bringing to the table, and uh, in that regard uh, to this team. So hopefully, uh, you stick with the plan, and and somebody keeps and someone keeps rising up. And I mean, look at look at Amadio, uh, look at uh, look at Brzezinski, uh, and and of course, um, I, I follow. I mean, these are guys who last year were were down on the farm, so uh, yeah. well not well not they weren't on the Kings roster. They sure weren't playing NHL hockey, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's where I think you're going to get your key acquisition. And of course, Carter coming back. Everyone keeps saying Lewis, but I, you know what? Yeah, I'll see. We'll know more uh, during this practice week as far as uh, can we count on Lewis to be there uh, for us. Yeah, indeed. And you know what? I think Jeff said it pretty good. Uh, kudos to Rob Blake, really. I mean, from the team we started at the beginning of the season now to just like you said, ironically enough, uh, strange in that once again we're far from being in a solid playoff spot, but come the trade deadline we're kind of in the catbird seat where we really don't have to do anything. You know, we're not in a, in a desperate situation 
which really ultimately means you're right. We don't need to, to do a Chris Versteeg. We don't need to roll the dice and take a gamble that someone's going to be the savior, which once again uh, really ultimately proved to be uh, Dean Lombardi's undoing. So, all right. Hey, Augie, we got to wrap it up. Been a long show and uh, we got stuff to do, but dude, you have a great night, man. What a, what a great way to end the road trip. Kings finishing up four and three, uh, nice little homestand now against uh, very, very winnable uh, teams, uh, Edmonton, Dallas, uh, then it gets a little bit tougher with uh, back-to-backs against Vegas. Uh, but then uh, back home, uh, Columbus, Chicago, uh, Washington who's struggling, St. Louis now who's in that wild card spot. It would not be a bad time for the Kings to go on a little hot streak. They now got three in a row. And uh, once again, if they can keep playing the way they have, uh, you really got to like our chances. A nice little run here would definitely go a long way for putting them uh, – uh, into a strong playoff position. So, Augie, you have a wonderful night, okay, my friend? Thank you, uh, Hip, and uh, go Kings, go. Indeed, indeed. And as we end up, once again, a series of not one, not two, but seven L.A. Kings Road Talk radio games, uh, this is your old friend Scott Cahill, a.k.a. The Hip Check. Saying good night, everybody, and what a great way to uh, end the show. Then a little bit of Coke Gump Elvis.
fantastic. Thank you. You're a beautiful audience, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Boy. <laughs>